Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. excited to be in the house of God. It's been a good morning. I cannot wait to preach. If you're new here, if you've never met me, if we've never gotten the chance to meet before or after service, my name is Landon Hairgrove. I'm the lead pastor here at Oasis City Church, and it's such an honor to pastor this community. And we've been in a series called Creating an Oasis, really just walking through, as my wife was saying, the vision, the values, the culture of Oasis City Church, who we are going to be, the kind of church that we are going to build, and it's been such a great series. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to some of the other messages on the podcast, but um, the other thing would be to come to that vision night next week. If you really want to learn more about the core of our vision and how you can play a part in it, join us next week. But, you know, as we prep for this launch, it's been crazy. In fact, the other night, Brooke and I, we were up late working on, excuse me, a number of things for launch, and so we're, you know, hustling, just trying to figure out where we're doing stuff here, and we're doing stuff here, and we're working with teams, and, and so we're just like, just going wild as we prep our teams, we work with our coaches, we, we try to prepare our staff to make sure that they're ready for just the intensity of what launch will be like. And so everyone's just getting ready for this. And it's so funny because Brooke and I always have these kind of grand ideas about what we'll be able to do with our evening hours. Anyone, anyone like that? <laughs> So we make these plans. We're like, you know what? We're going to get so much done this evening. So we have a full day's work. We're already doing a lot. We go home. We play with our kids. We, you know, make dinner, put them to bed. And we're like, we're going to get so much done. But the moment we put them to bed, like, you start getting a little sleepy. You know what I'm talking about? So like the other night, Brooke and I, we're up, we're working and uh, working on some content, some projects. And as we're, you know, working together, I, my beautiful wife is just talking to me about uh, all the things that she's accomplished. And, you know, I'm listening intently like every good husband does as she tells me about, you know, thing after thing after thing about all these things that she's done. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And she's telling me things that I need to do, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I know I need to do that. And so I'm listening to her and my eyes started to get heavy. You know, they're doing this kind of thing. They started to bounce, right, like a basketball. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, like next thing I knew, I, I was conked out. Like I was out cold, on, drooling on my wife's lap, okay? Like this is where I found myself at like 11.30 on a Thursday. Like this is what, what happened to me. I needed sleep. In that moment, I don't know if you, like, you probably don't know this about me, but I'm not a nap guy, okay? Like, I don't fall asleep in random places. I do not nap. Some people are like me. If you nap, you just want to keep sleeping. And if you nap, you'll actually be angrier when you wake up. That, that's me. Don't, don't let me nap, okay? And so that was me. I don't fall asleep in random places. But this particular evening, what I needed was rest. And the reality is, is that we all need rest. Some of us just don't like to admit we need it. In fact, I'm going to be really honest with you. This is probably something out of all the things that I really struggle with, overworking is probably one of the things I I struggle most with. Even as I prepared for this message, I was still working on it Saturday night because my week has just been insane. And I honestly, I was like, I'm going to feel like a hypocrite if I jump up there and preach on rest and I don't just confess that, man, I didn't do a good job this week. I probably didn't spend as much time with my family as I should have. And so I just want to be honest with you and I, I honestly ask for your forgiveness, church, for for not spending as much time as I should have. And so I'm asking you this morning, would you please forgive me? Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This week was, was tough for us, but for many of us, we need it. We know we need it, but we just don't want to admit that we need it. For many of us, we have to work to stop working. It, it's a fight for our peace, and it actually takes strength to be able to stop your work. It, it really does. It takes strength to pause the grind for the sake of health, for the sake of rest. But for so many of us, we actually look at resting as weakness. If you are to rest, if you're to take a break, you're weak. You, you can't do it. I, I know I've thought this before. I, I've, I've been of that mindset where I'm like, no, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. I'm going to push. I'm going to work harder than the next guy. I, I'm going to work hard. But it takes strength to push pause and to rest for the sake of health. Listen, for many of us, we'd rather hustle and grind our way to an anxiety attack than give in to our perception of weakness. We'd rather push towards that than give in to what we think is weakness. And I mean, let's be real. Nobody, like, plans to have an anxiety attack, right? You don't wake up in the morning like, 9.30 a.m., I can't wait. It's coming. No one thinks that. No one plans to have a nervous breakdown at 35 years old. They don't. 
Have you ever been driving and in the middle of the road while you're, you know, on your way to work, you've seen a car broke down in the middle of the road? You ever seen it like at a stoplight? Or maybe off the side of the highway and have you ever thought to yourself, that, that's a terrible place to break down. But that's the thing, you don't get to choose where you break down. Like your car doesn't send you like a text message going, hey, um, the transmission's about to blow. Uh, do you want me to pull over here or like three exits up at Complete Auto Care next to Chick-fil-A so you can get number three with some Chick-fil-A sauce on the side while you wait? Like I wish my car would do that, but it does not do that. My car does not give me a, a sign that says, hey, like I'm about to break down. Sometimes things just break down. You don't get to pick where you break down. So you don't know when it will happen, but you better believe that there's some preventative maintenance that you can do to ensure you don't break down in the middle of the road. And as followers of Jesus, we have some preventative maintenance that we can do in our lives to ensure that we don't break down in the middle of the road. And let me be very clear with you, church. This is such an important message for our church because this is part of our journey towards creating an oasis. Part of our journey, if we're really going to create an oasis for the wanderer here, for the lost, for the hurting, for the broken in our city, if this really is going to be a place of hope and healing and refreshing and renewal for our city, then we must, as leaders in this church, lead the way in health. Lead the way in health. And this idea comes from one of our core values. At Oasis City Church, we lead the way in health. We say this, we remain healthy by prioritizing personal encounters with God. By growing in our faith, by putting our family first, and by protecting our Sabbath so we can lead others into health. And so if you're taking notes today, and I hope that you are, I have titled this message, The Rhythm of Rest. The Rhythm of Rest. And we're going to be in Psalms chapter 23, verses 1 through 6 today. And I just, I love Psalms 23. I think it's so powerful. This is like one of the ones when you're a little kid, they try to make you memorize in Bible school because it's just, it's good. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of just the good passages of Scripture that's like, man, this, this just resonates at a soul level. And so Psalm 23, if you don't have your Bible, you can get the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app on the App Store. Click on that. Download it if you don't have it. It's amazing. There's audio Bibles and Bible plans, and it's just such a great resource and tool. So if you do have it, you can go there digitally and scroll with me. Psalm 23. Verses 1 through 6 says this The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love or goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's in the New International Version. That's good. He makes me lie down. Anyone ever had God make you lie down, make you rest? He makes me lie down. He leads me besides the water. That word leads is, is like a gentle guide. It's, it's the idea of the way a stream flows. He leads me beside still waters. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you so much for the way you're working in our community and our church. God, I thank you for people that are encountering you and your love and your goodness and your grace. God, I thank you for this church. And God, I pray this message, whatever is of me, would fall away. Whatever is born of your spirit, God, I pray would stick in their hearts and their minds. God, I ask that you would use this message, that you would use your word, God, to do what only you can do in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on. If you love God, say amen. 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 If we review the passage we just read, we'll see that the psalm is a progression. Rest comes before victory. It starts with rest. And it gets to victory. And the problem is, is that we do not get to get the whole, you know, table set before us or set before the presence of our enemies when we don't go through letting him make us lie down, leading us beside still waters. It starts, it's, it's, if you want the end of Psalm 23, if you want the victory, if you want, man, just the comfort in the midst of chaos, it starts with rest. It starts with, he makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. It starts there. 
you do not get to just skip to the end. So generally speaking, let's just talk about this for a moment. Generally speaking, we live in one of the safest times in history for kids to grow up, generally speaking. We look around and we see that all of a sudden, though, in the midst of like a really overall safe and, and, and pretty like bubbled environment that we are able to raise our children in for, for, this, for their safety and progression in life, we look at children and they're younger and younger and younger struggling with anxiety and clinical depression. Oh, it's, it's insane when you look at the rates of anxiety among young people, especially post-COVID, you watch as anxiety and depression becomes more and more common. What does that say? It tells me that there's something about modern day life that is not conducive to human flourishing. There's something about the way that we live, there's something about today's culture that is not conducive to human flourishing. And it's not just kids, it's all of us. And maybe you wouldn't say that you struggle with clinical anxiety, but you may find yourself rushed or irritable or easily angered or hurried on a daily basis. And your soul is crying out for rest. Crying out for rest. The rapid pace of our lives is not leading to the restoration of our souls. We, we live in one of the most optimized generations in all of human history. If we really think about it, in all of the world, we'd argue that although we live in the most optimized time in human history, we have less time than ever before. Because we fill every moment of our lives with something. Social media, conversations, DMs, text, it's all the time. Podcasts, audio, it's always there. Music, playing, streaming, service. It's, it's every moment of our lives. And there's something wrong with the rhythms of our lives, and it's hurting us. I heard one leader say this. He said that speed is the enemy of depth, and what we lack today is deep people because we do not know how to slow down. We don't know how to slow down. And so we lack deep people. In fact, a study was done at Charleston South uh, Southern University, where they interviewed 20,000 Christians from all over the world and analyzing what the greatest obstacles for spiritual growth were, they found this, that busyness was one of the major obstacles that was reported when it came to people trying to live spiritual lives. Busyness. The, the doctor in the study argued that Christians who found themselves too busy gave less time for God, which weakened their belief systems, and invited a secular worldview into their hearts and minds, which eventually led them from away from their faith. It led them to a completely different place. So what do we do? What, well, if you want to know how something's supposed to work, if you really want to know the, the idea of like, hey, how, how does this optimally function, you have to go to its creator. You have to go to its designer, right? So for example, my phone's in my pocket. Here we go. If I want to know how to use this iPhone, if I want to maximize it to its fullest potential, its, its optimum capabilities, then who do I go to? I go to Apple, right? I'm watching tutorials. I'm reading the handbook. Like, I'm figuring out all the things that this thing can do. Because if I'm not looking it up, man, you, you just, you know, kids these days, they'll figure it out. But <laughs> for my people, okay, this is for, like, people that, like my parents, okay? For boomer generation, for anyone like that, you might need to read the handbook, right? <laughs> like, for my dad, you might need to read the handbook. For my grandparents, they probably would have needed to read the handbook, right? Like, but here's the reality. You go to Apple to learn about the iPhone. Now, if I want to learn about our cameras, if we're having an issue with one of our live stream cameras, I'm going to go to Sony. I'm going to go to the creator. I'm going to go to these people that actually built this thing and say, hey, how can I optimally use this thing to, to, to make a difference in the way that it's designed to be used? If I need to replace a part of my truck, like, I'm not going to go to Chevy. I'm going to go to Ford. And everybody said amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go to foreign. And so let's, let's just start at the beginning because here's the deal. If we want to know how the human machine was designed to operate, how we were created and crafted, how we are meant to, to, to function at optimum productivity, maximum uh, potential, then we have to go to the beginning as well. We have to look at our designer, our creator. We look at God. And so let's do that together. We're going to start in the beginning. We're going to look at the book of Genesis and just quickly see what we can learn from the creation story about this idea of rest. And so I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Again, I'm in the NIV today. And uh, yeah, jump there with me. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. And then we're going to skip down a few verses to 27 to 31 after that. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be 
light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and he called the darkness night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So let's just think about this for just a moment. Days two, three, four, five, God created. He saw that it was good. And then in Genesis 1, 27 to 31, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, Yamago Day, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Somebody say very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Skip to Genesis chapter 2 with me. Turn the page. Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Somebody say holy. Because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he had done. So listen, God creates for six days. And on this seventh day, as he's gone through creating, it's just making all of his creation beautiful. And he says on the seventh day, he rested. He, he rested from his, his work was complete. He, he rested. That means, friends, that, that, like, think about this, that God rested and called this day holy. This is fascinating because this is the inception of creativity, the inception of creation. Like, I think we forget sometimes, like, no, no, this is like, like you want to talk about the law of first mention? Like this is this is the beginning of the ability to create. This is this is God creating, creating, and so in this amazing moment where God is creating six days on the seventh He rests. Do you know what that does? It it weaves into the very fabric of creation this idea of Sabbath and rest. It's to say that creative process is not a creative process without rest. That if we want to maximize creativity, we have to maximize our rest. It's woven into the fabric of the creative process, into the rhythm of creation, the rhythm of creation. Now listen, Genesis and Exodus are written to the same group of people, right? It's the children of Israel. It's these people that had been in bondage, and they were uh, liberated from slavery in Egypt, and now they are going to journey their way through the desert. And they're walking through the desert. They're headed towards the promised land. They've been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. They're free. And God is taking care of them every step of the way. And he starts to tell them in Exodus, he's like, hey, there's going to be some stuff called manna that's going to appear. And this is, this is going to be like, like, like flakes. And you're going to use it with some coriander seed. You're going to mix these ingredients and you're going to make a, a form of bread. And this is going to be sustenance for you. It's going to help you get through this season. So God provided manna in the wilderness. God provided sustenance for them in the wilderness. Wilderness, but God tells them to go and gather these ingredients, to gather this manna that had come down. He says to go and gather it. And he says, hey, but on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. Why? Because on the seventh day, you're going to rest. So the sixth day, gather twice as much. But on the seventh day, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends. Don't gather. Rest. This was a day that God gave them as a holy day, as a, a gift. This was not something that was like, no, 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 like this is, this is not like to hurt them. This is to help them. This is for them. So he says, gather twice as much the sixth day and rest on the seventh day. And so right off the bat, I want you to know this. Rest is a form of faith. If you're taking notes, write that down. Rest is a form of faith. It's submitting to our design and not testing the limits of what we were created to do. I don't know if you grew up this way, but I had, uh, back in high school, uh, kind of a tradition, and my friends did. We were in Fort Collins, Colorado. Fort Collins, Colorado, we cruised, okay? Friday nights, we're cruising College Avenue, which basically meant we drove in an eight-mile loop and burned gas and wasted money. <laughs> it was ridiculous. We didn't do anything but try to pick fights. It was just, it was bad, all right? This is pre, pre-saved landing, okay? I'm out the window yelling at people like, pull over! Don't, don't be that guy. And... Um, and so I was with all these crazy kids, and we would go, and we'd cruise College Avenue. And then, like, the sports cars would be out. Like, kids got their dad's Mustang out there. It's crazy. So all of us are out there in our cars. We got Jeeps and, you know, people in there like, dude, this dude's got a Hummer. It's like, whoa. 
and then the lifted trucks come out. Anyone ever seen one of those big lifted trucks? Like 35-inch mud slinging tires, right? Six-inch lift kit, wheel spacers. I used to want that truck. I used to want it real bad. And uh, I remember I was thinking one day, I was like, I'm going to do that to my truck. I want, a, I want a big lifted truck, man. You start rolling down the road, blasting some Garth Brooks, and the thunder rolls, right? And a lightning strikes, boom, boom, boom. Like, so I wanted that. Or like these days, it's like Zach Bryan, all right? Something in the orange. Like something. I want to be playing some music. Turn my country up. I'm feeling good. Get my dog in the back. Get my shotgun. You know what I mean? Go kill some ducks. Like I'm excited. And... <laughs> And I start getting ready, like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to get this lift kit. I'm going to get this rough country lift kit, man. It's going to be awesome. And I'm all excited. And I have a buddy that has a background in mechanical engineering. And he, he comes up to me. He goes, Landon, that's the last thing you want to do to your truck. And I start pushing back immediately. I'm like, you know what you're talking about. You drive some Honda Civic. You don't know what I mean. Like, I'm telling, we're getting this kind of like little back and forth kind of spat, right, where we're like, he's like, no, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, yes, I do. Like, I could go anywhere. I could See those mountains? I'm going to drive right over those mountains, right? Like, I'm just like, I can do anything. And he tells me this. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, like you have no idea. It looks cool while it lasts, but you, to what you don't see, like, you may think it looks cool, but what you don't see is the stress that that lift, that those tires and that spacers put on the struts, on the ball joints, on the suspension, on the engine and on the transmission. What you're not seeing is that this truck was not designed for that. This truck was not designed to be huge and giant. This truck was designed with stress limits. Every part was stress tested in the factory. It's a reason it's called factory design. It's not meant to look like that. It's not meant to do those things. And so I started to just think about this, right? And I figured he's probably right. <laughs> so I probably, I probably shouldn't do that. Because the reality is, is that these parts were stress tested and designed to be used in a particular way for optimum usage and for longevity. And now here's the thing. We are wired in the same way. Believe it or not, we are wired with stress limits. We are not made to function 24-7, 365. That's just not the way we were created. It's not the way we were designed. And if you live that way. You will not reach optimum productivity, nor will you reach longevity. It will burn you. It will burn you. You ever heard the saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead? That is a ridiculous saying. Let me tell you why. If you live that way, I'll sleep when I'm dead, I promise you, you're going to get there a lot faster than the rest of us. Sleep deprivation is no joke. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Rest is an act of faith, like I said earlier. It's, it's saying, God, I believe that you made me to work, to function, to operate within a specific way, in specific parameters. And to rest, to take a Sabbath, is to trust God. It's to say that I believe that God can actually do more in my six days than I could do working all seven. And that it's to say that, man, work is not an idol for me. Because if you can't put work down, you're a slave to it. Whatever you can't walk away from, you're a slave to and so if you can't leave your work for a day to spend time with your family, to be a dad, to play catch with your kid, to be a mom, to be there for, to be there for your, your spouse. If you can't leave for a day, you're a slave to work and it's an idol in your life. And it's something that is probably one of the most acceptable sins in our society today. You want to talk about something that, <laughs> some sins, they'll get you fired. You steal from your boss, I promise you, you ain't going to be there very long. But you overwork, you're going to get a promotion. It's an acceptable sin in society. Unfortunately, we even see that in church. You overwork, you're going to get promoted. Not at our church. Be with your family. Take rest. Have healthy rhythms. Healthy rhythms. So by exercising that faith in God and submitting to the rhythm of rest, we keep from the chaos of busyness and we avoid work becoming our idol. Hey, Taylor, you, where are you at, bro? Taylor, come up here. Everyone give it up for Taylor. He's our drummer. <laughs> Taylor, can you play us a little, a little something? You give me like a little, a little, give me a little like slow jam beat. Something that's like, if I'm going to take my wife out, I want this kind of like playing. You know what I mean? Like give me, give me, give me that, that kind of beat. Oh, a little, how about a little John, John Mayer type? Like, okay. Give me like a little John Mayer type. Hey. 
Suavecito over here. Hey, now, now, show me just like, show me how my son would play the drums. Just go a little crazy for me. Just ridiculous. That's starting off. That's oh, all right. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know something interesting? What sounds good to our ears is rhythm. What that was was chaos. There's no rhythm. There's no cadence. And so it's loud. It's, and this is how we live our lives. We live our lives crazy. We live our lives loud. And so all of a sudden, we wonder why we have anxiety. We wonder why we're, we're stressed. We wonder why we're at our limits, where we're ready to break down. Because we live our lives in that way when God designed us to do it this way. Go one more time for me. Nope. Give me the rhythm. This is how God designed our lives. No, why? Hey, pause for a second. Hit for me. Now, here's the deal. What is rhythm? It is the hit and the not hit. What is a not hit called, Taylor? It's called the rest. Good rhythm requires good rest. Hey, Taylor, give it up for Taylor. Thank you, sir. Good rhythm requires good rest. The people of God struggled with this idea of rest. Even after God tells them, hey, don't gather manna on the seventh day. Do you know what the children of Israel did? Those fools gathered manna on the seventh day. I, I, I don't understand. Like, they just watched God swallow up the Egyptians in a sea. You think they'd obey the guy, right? <laughs> like, like I, if I saw that, I'd be like, I am never disobeying this but watch this. God makes it clear to these people, hey, this is not what he's supposed to do. And because they were unwilling to make it a rhythm in their life, God actually made it a rule. And he says, if you're going to be in covenant with me, he gives them the Ten Commandments. And he shifts it from just a rhythm to a rule. And he says, hey, remember the Sabbath. They keep it holy. He actually had to put it in the Ten Commandments to make them follow it. And apparently the Israelites, they, they needed that kind of sticky note in the mirror. Some of us are people like that. We just need that sticky note in the mirror that says, you got this, right? <laughs> like, you can do it. Just a reminder, but God was trying to say, when he, when he made it part of the covenant of the people of God, he was trying to say, hey, hey, I'm giving you the ability and the potential to be rejuvenated. I am giving you life, health generating potential. I'm giving you the ability to be refreshed, to be renewed, to be recharged. That is why he gave them the Sabbath day. That is why he gave them the ability to rest. This is why he made this a holy day, to commune with God and for God to be able to commune with his creation. So hey, what does it mean though to make something holy? When it says that God set it apart, the day is holy. What does that even mean to say that something is holy? Well, holy means set apart. It means removed from common circulation. It's no longer of just, it's, it's no longer easily accessible, just a normal thing. No, no, it's, it's removed. It's, it's rare. It's special. Like, 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 you know, for example, uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Uh, I only got 12 minutes. I don't have time to talk about that. Okay, we'll skip that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to honor your time here. But here's the reality. To be set apart, like my wife is set apart for me. Like none of y'all go try to talk to my wife, all right, gentlemen? Because she's set apart for, for me. She's set apart for me. My toothbrush is set apart for me. All right? Like, listen, we're in, if we're in the same family, we might share a hairbrush. All right? If you're a dad out there, you got a garage brush, you let the neighbor borrow the garage brush. Tim down the street can borrow the garage brush. Whoever wants, you can shine your tires with that thing. You can wipe down your garage floor. Whatever. That's fine. That's shared. That's all good. Hairbrush, shared. Toothbrush, I love my wife. I've seen that broccoli in there sometimes, though. I'm not sharing her toothbrush. It is set apart for her. It is set apart for, for me. That's what it means to be holy. It's to be set apart, right? And so some of us, uh, this, this day, like we have to understand this. It was set apart as a day to rest. But some of us just want to go fast. We don't want to rest. And, and, and here's the deal. Some of us are really good at being fast. But we're really bad at being efficient. Because there is a difference between being fast and being Efficient. E efficiency says to be efficient is to achieve maximum productivity with minimum wasted effort or expense. And so just because you're being fast doesn't mean you're being efficient. Sometimes rest and slowing down is the key to productivity and the key to 
efficiency. So when you focus on rest and efficiency instead of hustle and speed, you end up with a better result. And that goes for every area of your life. Every area. But why do we not stop? Why do we not rest? Like, let's just, like, dive into that for just a moment. I believe it's three things. I think it's anxiety. I think it's lack of faith. And I think it's ego. Anxiety, lack of faith, and ego. I think they all kind of tie together. Those, that's the reason why we can't rest. Let's think about anxiety for just a moment. Anxiety comes when? Anxiety comes when we try to control outcomes. When we try to do God's job. When we try to get in, in, in his seat and we try to control every area and every piece of our lives. That is when anxiety comes. It is rooted in a lack of control. And there's something about this that we have such a hard time letting go of. We have a hard time letting go of control. We have a hard time letting go of our perception of how we can manipulate outcomes in our lives. But did you know this? Anxiety was the number one medical health issue in 2020. Now think about this after COVID. According to psychology today, the average teenager has the same level of anxiety as a, psychiat a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. According to psychology today, according to a study taken. So we are living in a nonstop, fast-paced, never-rest society, and we wonder why we're not living in communion with God. We wonder why we struggle with silence. We wonder why we struggle with rest, why we have to fill every space with radio, every space with podcasts. We can't be alone. Because even when we're alone, we make sure there's people around. Got Joe Rogan talking in my head. <laughs> we, ne we never let ourselves be silent and quiet. And I believe this, we don't value rest because of a lack of faith in our own ego. We don't trust that God's actually going to provide for us. We don't trust that he's going to keep his end of the bargain. We don't trust that he's going to keep his word. And so we have this I'll do it myself attitude that's unhealthy. This unhealthy level of I'll do it myself. This believing that it's all on us to make it happen. It's all on us to provide. It's all on us to show up. It's all on us. Life is way less about you than you realize. You have way less control than you'd realize. And I'd like to challenge you today that I do believe that God can do more with your six days submitted under his lordship than you can do with your seven. Submit them under the lordship of God, of Jesus. Believe it or not, God built the human machine to power down. He did. He, he built us to power down. It's not just a seventh day thing. Let me, let me just say this. You need sleep. Some of y'all out there are sleeping right now. You're just like barely awake. You're trying to fight. Keep your eyes up. You, I'm, I'm going to point you. You need sleep, right? You need sleep. You need sleep. We were designed to literally sleep away a third of our lives. For some of you, you're like, that's depressing. No, it's not because that means the other two-thirds are actually life-giving. And you ain't dragging the whole time. Do you want to live a, a poor, sad, sorry two-thirds or a life-giving two-thirds? It's your choice. Or, or three-thirds, if you want to try to live that long, it's going to be a short three-thirds. But we were designed to sleep eight hours a night. We were designed to sleep a third of our lives, a third of our days. Why? To show you that you need rest and you're not as in control as you think you are. God's letting you know you are not as in control as you think you are. Did you know that sleep deprivation is actually a form of torture? Militaries across the world have used this for centuries. And in fact, some people believe it's a, a more humane form of torture. It ain't humane. It is, it is no joke. When you're trying to use it for an interrogation tactic, it's really almost pointless because by the time you get someone to this state of, of total sleep deprivation, confusion sets in. Even hallucinations. Like they get to the place where they suffer memory loss. Like this is no joke. You are dependent on sleep. You are dependent on the rhythm of rest. So here's three things I want to take you to take away today in our last six or seven minutes we have together. Three things I want you to take with you. Three ways to stay in the rhythm of rest. Number one, to remember the power of the pause. Number two, to reset your inputs. And number three, to rest in Jesus. So remember the power of the pause. Kids these days don't know how spoiled they are. I brought my kids to Stanley, Idaho this last summer, and we got this, like, good deal on a lodge. Come on, dads, you know what I mean? Good deals. you gotta, you got to take that good deal. And uh, I took this good deal, and we went to this lodge up in Stanley, Idaho. had hot springs. It was awesome. It was super cool. Uh, they had TVs in the rooms, but they were not smart TVs, all right? They're not smart enabled. These were pretty dumb TVs. And uh, so we're getting ready to, like, watch a show with our kids and it's like the old school that got like 41 channels, okay, and it's like just regular cable TV, 
No DV, you know, no T DBR, no TiVo, no streaming services enabled. There's no Netflix, Disney Plus, Peacock, none of that, okay? We don't have it. And so my kids are like ready to watch a show and they're like, Dad, we want to watch whatever show they wanted to watch, right? It's like Spidey and his amazing friends. And I'm like, well, it's not on. They're like, what do you mean it's not on? It's on Disney. Son, they don't, it's, it's not on demand. Like you just have to see what's on. Like you just flip through the channels and see what's on. He's like, what? So we finally find something they're okay with and we're watching it for a little bit. He goes, commercial comes on. Dad, skip the commercial. Son, you cannot skip the commercial. There's no pause. There's no rewind. There's no skip. Like, there's, there's nothing. They're, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's, there's, there's nothing. I'm telling you, these kids are spoiled. Like, back in the day, come on, who, you grew up like that, right? Like, I never had the pause, okay? Like, if you had to go to the bathroom, boy, you were sprinting to that bathroom because you knew that if you missed it, you missed it. You come out like, oh, Tim got voted off the island. <sighs> like, you missed it. Like, you just, you just, you just missed it. Think about football in 1999. You remember the introduction of the ability to challenge a play? You guys remember this? They, they, they made it so you could actually, the instant replay system was finally introduced, and they made it so you could challenge a play and say, hey, let's take a look at that again, to throw a flag, to say, hey, let's pause, let's review. That changed the game of football. To be able to pause and take a step back, to change the perspective and say, hey, let's review that play again. That, friends, is the power of a pause. The ability to step back, to evaluate the place where you're standing, to intentionally seek and listen to the Lord, and it lets you redirect your steps if necessary. To change the course, to change the area where you are, to say, no, 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 I'm off right there. It allows God to check you, to say, hey, hey, we good? Man, I'm, I'm a little off there. I need to spend more time with my kids. I need to spend more time with my family. I need to rest. Man, I'm, I'm tired. I didn't even realize it until I slowed down to pause that my soul is... My soul is tired. It's the power of a pause. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A pause helps you to live out Philippians chapter 4. A pause helps you to do this, to stop worrying and to start praying. That's the power of a pause. So pause, pray for God's perspective, pray for his peace, pray for his provision, but pause. You know, the Bible talks about our walk with God. Even in the imagery we see in Genesis is Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day. Listen, we don't like to walk. We want to run, okay, or at least jog. You're like, come on, Jesus, you got to keep up, bro. Like, I got like 16 can't miss appointments today. Like, I got a lunch at the new restaurant and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, we could get five minutes together if you're coming with me. I want to drive, my jog. We're just busy. And we live our lives busy. And we're so busy that we get glitchy. Come on. You ever have your eyelids start twitching? Friends, that's not normal, okay? Like, if, if you have that, like, you might want to go talk to your doctor. Like, that's, you should not, your eyelids shouldn't be doing this, okay? This, this is not normal, okay? We get glitchy. You ever have your iPhone get glitchy? You bring it to the Apple store, what's the first thing they tell you? When's the last time you shut this thing off? You're like, 2008, like, you know. The first thing they tell you, hey, why don't you turn it off and turn it back on again? Re reset the phone. Hard reset the phone. Sometimes, friends, we need to pause and we just need to pray and we need to reset. We need to pause. We need to pray. We need a reset. So what's some practical ways to do this? This week, some practical ways you can practice this, put that phone down. Seriously. Watch your screen time. Be careful about it. Get into healthy habits with your digital life. Check yourself. Put, put the phone in the kitchen before bed. Don't bring it to the bedroom. Don't wake up in the morning. Don't be scrolling at midnight. Don't be scrolling at 6 o'clock when you wake up. Take a break. Leave your phone somewhere else. Put it outside your room. Spend your car ride in prayer. Turn the radio off. Just be quiet for a minute. Let, let that silence kind of sink in. And just be still and know that he is God. Spend time with him. Go to a restaurant and leave the phone in the car. Have a conversation with somebody so it's not just like the whole time you're talking, this little thing is like lighting up, dinging. You're like, oh, what is that? You're actually getting your Apple Watch. No, no, just like leave your phone in your car or at least leave it in your pocket. Don't put it on the table. It's important. And this, I would say too, it's important to learn your limits. 
learn your limits, learn your routine, listen to your spirit, your soul, your body, and pause routinely. Number two, reset your inputs. So three things, your inputs make outcomes, your choices have consequences, and your decisions have destinations. Philippians 4, chapter 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. So, so here's a question. What are you filling your mind and your heart with? What are your inputs? What are you putting into your heart and mind? Do you constantly consume fear and anxiety through the, 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 the inputs in your life? Do you watch shows that just fill you with despair and with grief? Do you just listen to things that leave you in that place? Because remember, what you reap, you will sow. And let's leave the churchy language behind us for a second. Garbage in, garbage out. That's what happens. You put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. That's, this is just the reality what you reap, you will sow. So, so do you let your mind rest ever? Do you ever take a break? Are you surrounding yourself with life-giving community and people? Or do you leave your friend group, your workplace, heavy with anxiety, with stress, with worry? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And with the time that you do have, is it an investment in your future or is it just for momentary excitement that will leave you long-term feeling exhausted? That's the questions we have to ask ourselves. What's the community like we're around? And here's the thing I think I love about church community and, and, and serving in church. Is it's funny, it's, it's one of the only places where it's backwards. Where serving is actually life-giving and energizing. Like go ask any of our team members, ask our dream team. You might catch one say they're tired, but they will always follow up and qualify that statement with, but fulfilled. Man, I'm, I'm a little tired today, but man, I'm... I'm fulfilled. I'm full of purpose. Man, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I get to do this. I get to serve people. I get to pour out my life. And, and watch this. Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When you pour out your life for other people, not enough for you. For them. For God's people. When you serve his people, watch him refresh you. Refresh others and you will be refreshed. Which is just another nod to our vision and mission here at Oasis City Church. We must lead the way in health in order to refresh others. To serve out of overflow of a life in step with God. That, that's what we want to do. We want to we see this city refreshed, renewed. We want to see hope and healing brought to our city. But it's by living in step with God ourselves. It's by refreshing others and living refreshed. And it's understanding that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. It's this idea that he goes beyond our best efforts. He, he supersedes what we can do on our own. God refreshes us when we refresh others, which brings me to my last point, that's simply this, rest in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find, watch this, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, now hear me. Some of you may not struggle to rest physically. That may be a rhythm in your life. That just may be something you're, you're good at. Maybe that's a gift. You're able to, to rest well. But yet some of you may struggle with rest spiritually. Your soul is restless. You find yourself in this place where you think that your salvation is dependent upon what you do. It's dependent upon working your way to God, opening enough doors, doing enough good things, showing up at church, making sure I never miss it. It's doing this and doing that, and it's a works-based faith. But it is by faith alone. It, we're not saved by works. Paul, Paul, Paul says these, all these works, they're like dirty rags. He says, no, no, all these things, I was, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, as far as law, blameless. But he, but he considered it all trash, rubbish compared to taking on the righteousness that comes, that's imparted by faith in Jesus. It's this idea of, man, you, you don't have to work your way to heaven. In fact, let me just say this. I'm going to burst somebody's bubble this morning. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. 
Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. So I need you to hear this because this is the most important. This is the, this is the greatest news that's ever been. The reality that we can't do it. We can't do enough good works. We can't do enough good things to, to earn our way into heaven. We could never. And we're all sinful. We're all fallen. Every single person in this room, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We were born in sin. But God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place so that you didn't have to pay the penalty of, it, of sin. He said, I'm going to pay that for them, and I'm going to impart, to, to, to give away my righteousness, my goodness, my purity. How the Father sees me is how the Father will see them through their faith in me. He, he gives us as a free gift that we don't earn. We definitely do not deserve. But he gives it to us. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says this in Isaiah Chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Come on, faithful and just. And he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some, all unrighteousness. All of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our past, all of our shortcomings, every failure is covered by the blood of Jesus, by what he did on the cross at Calvary. Jesus loved you so much. God loved you so much. He sent his son Jesus, allowed him to die on the cross. He was buried in the ground for three days, but he didn't stay there. On the third day, he rose victorious over death, over hell, over sin in the grave. Not just sin, but your sin and my sin. Your, your, your past sins, your future. He died for your sins so you could be forgiven and made right with God. And so today he stands and offers a free gift. So some of you may have heard the gospel. If you come to my church, you hear it every week. You may have heard this before. It may never have clicked into this moment. Some of you may never have heard this before. God offers you a free gift that you don't earn, that you don't deserve. It is all for you because the reality is when all else fails, Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. He is rest for our souls. For, that's what Matthew said. It's rest for our souls. And it's resting in the idea and the reality that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you. It's resting in the finished work of the cross. Not striving and trying to earn our way into righteousness, earn our way into heaven, earn our way into right standing with God because it's impossible. You can't do it. You can't live perfect. You can't live sinless and you don't need to because Jesus already did. And now he says to you today that if you will confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, if you, if you accept the reality of the good news, if you will rest in the finished work of Jesus, that what Jesus did was enough for you. He offers to you free a free gift, the choice to repent of your sins, to turn a different direction, to no longer be chasing after the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life and the world and all these things that are so attractive to our flesh. But he says, hey, I'm giving you an opportunity to turn away from that and to turn towards me. And I'm never going to bring it up again. I'm going to separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. And I'm going to allow you to experience the forgiveness and the grace of God and the righteousness that only comes through a faith in him. And so if that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed all across this room, I want to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor Delaney, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want this eternal rest. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want to repent. I want to turn away from my sin. And I want to turn towards Jesus, surrendering my life to him. Saying, God, take my life and do with it whatever you want. I want to follow Jesus today. And if that's you, you know you're not right with God. You want to be today. You want to put your faith in Jesus. Then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And it's nothing about raising your hand that makes this like, man, no, no, this is just, I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Church, would you stand to your feet with me?
Would you pray this prayer as a church together? Just pray this, dear Jesus, I give you my life. From this moment forward, I turn away from my sins. I repent and I turn towards you, God. I ask for your forgiveness and I ask for your mercy. And I ask for your grace to help me live a life surrendered to you. From this day forward, do whatever you want to do with my life. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, real quick before we worship, I want to pray for one more group. And that's those of you that are tired right now. You're tired, you're weary, you're heavy laden, you're everything that we just read. And you need rest. You know Jesus, but man, you're just, you're beat right now. And I'm going to ask that we be the church this morning. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask for a moment of vulnerability. Just say, would you just raise your hand and say, I'm tired. If that's you, thank you. Thank you. We're the church. It's not just me up here praying. We're the church. You're, the, you're doing the ministry. So if you raised your hand, you see someone with their hand raised, raise your hands one more time for me, guys. If you see someone with their hands raised, hey, if you're around them, would you just put a hand on their shoulder, ask them their permission, and then put your hand on their shoulder? Thank you. And I'm going to pray for us this morning. Jesus, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for your eternal rest. God, I ask that those that just raised their hands, I said they are weary and heavy laden, that they're, they're tired. God, I just ask that you would surround them with rest, surround them with peace, surround them with people that can lift them up when they're tired, God. Surround them with community. Surround them with other believers that can help pick up the slack in their lives, pick up the areas where they're dropping things, where they just feel like they can't get through. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring a refreshing and a rejuvenation to their hearts, to their mind, to their soul right now in the name of Jesus, God. I pray that you would teach them to rest that they would learn to rest in you. They would learn to rest in the finished work on the cross. That, God, they would trust you with rest. God, we're thankful for this morning and thankful for the opportunity to gather into worship. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.